Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of iFixYourSciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. When it comes to taking care of your health and addressing your wellness, the easy part is finding the exercises, stretches, positions that actually can help you out. I think one of the hardest things is actually changing our behaviors. So then that way we can minimize the instances that we actually irritate whatever we're trying to fix. And one of those behaviors that is really, really hard to fix and modify is how we eat and how we approach food. And on today's episode, the today's guest is Adam Fiore. It's a gentleman I actually met through LinkedIn, but we shared a lot of commonalities and similarities and shared viewpoints on how nutrition and how we approach food and how that actually impacts our health. And he has a really cool, unique story, but also a very cool and exciting approach to eating food and actually solved a lot of the health issues that he has. And he's helping a whole bunch of other folks follow the same type of lifestyle. So Adam, good morning. It's great to see you. Thank you so much for being on today's podcast. Ashley, thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. And I'm um, looking forward to the conversation. So thanks. You are absolutely welcome. So let's take a deep dive. And for the listeners, tell us a little bit more about yourself. What brings you to where you're at today in your in your journey? Sure, sure. So my name is Adam Fiore. Um, I'm the founder of a company called Limitless AF. Um, and where I am today, really, I would say it started um, when I was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of uh, 51 years old, I'm 54 today. Um, when I was diagnosed with diabetes, I had my whole life, I had been a, what I would consider a healthy person, you know, uh, spent a lot of time in the gym, a lot of time in the gym actually. And, uh, I thought that I ate pretty healthy overall. And, um, so when I, when I, you know, and always had very healthy uh, vitals when I would go for the annual physical and have a, uh, you know, um, the blood pressure and the cholesterol, everything was always, was always healthy. So when I, when I went to um, my yearly physical, you're gonna have to excuse me for one second. I apologize. My dog is uh, at the door. That'll be the last time we have to do that. <laughs> anyway. Um, so um, when I went in for my yearly physical in 2020, uh, literally, like right after uh, COVID, you know, had, had kind of uh, hit in 2020. I, um, my, my primary said, you know, I'm kind of concerned. Your your blood sugars are elevated uh, to a diabetic level, and um, he said, so you know, I'm going to send you to an endocrinologist. So, um, part of the Jefferson Health System out here in uh, the Philadelphia area. It's a great health system, and um, went to an endocrinologist who confirmed, you know, had ran me through every possible test and confirmed, yeah, you have diabetes. Your blood sugars are, are very elevated. Um, my blood sugars were, you know, hitting into the, the, the 300s. Um, my A1C level was uh, 7.2. Um, and uh, so, you know, the whole thing came as a shock to me. The endocrinologist put a continuous glucose monitor um, on my arm, a freestyle Libre, and showed me how to use it. And he said, all right, he said, um, you're going to monitor your blood sugars with this CGM. And you're going to come back in two weeks and we'll decide whether or not we start you on a long acting or a short acting insulin and, and whatever medication. And 
I'll tell you that my wife was with me. We got in the car and I'll never forget. I said to my wife, I don't believe that these are my only options. Like something inside of me, some intuition is telling me that I can, I can manage this without insulin therapy, without, you know, um, medication. And I actually even asked him at that same first meeting, I asked the endocrinologist, I said, I said, what if I come back in two weeks and my numbers are a lot better? Would I be able to avoid the insulin, the medication? And, you know, doctors have a standard of care, which I totally respect. They have to, you know, they, they have to tell you a certain thing. And, and the, the physician said to me, look, I don't want you to get your hopes up because this may not be something that you can control with your will. Um, so let's see what happens. You know, I'm not saying yes or no. Let's see what the numbers are when you come back. Well, you know, I took that as a yes. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of where I would say the whole limitless AF mindset was born. Um, I decided that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to see what my body and what my mind are capable of. So the very first thing I did was, was, you know, start researching online. What are some of the options out there for someone like me who was just diagnosed with diabetes? Um, One of the things that was actually kind of disappointing was that no matter where I looked, pretty much the only uh, images that I saw of people with diabetes were folks who looked, you know, pretty sick, you know, and they, a lot of them were about people, you know, they were ads for, for medications and things like that. I I didn't really see any examples of what I was looking for, which was someone who uh, was, you know, uh, very fit and, and was able to reverse diabetes without using medication. That's what I was looking for was that inspiration. I couldn't find it. So I decided to become it myself, you know? So what I did find the very first day was I found um, this book called Mastering Diabetes, which is a very popular book. I would say it was, I probably found it because it was the first, most popular thing uh, book out there at the time. And it's all about eating a plant-based diet, um, whole foods, and how that can lower your blood sugars naturally. So I tried it. I, I, I ate some of the things they recommended, like some of the whole foods, the vegetables, the fruit, and it did not work for me. My blood sugars actually skyrocketed. So I immediately, you know, the nice thing about the CGM was it gave me real-time uh, feedback saying, okay, this is not working for you. So I immediately went back to the drawing board and I researched and I found a different uh, diet, a different book. This one was talking about the keto diet and talking about how if you don't eat sugar and you eat very low carbs, that can naturally lower your blood sugars. So I tried that. And literally within 24 hours, my numbers started to come down. Um, and I said, oh, this is for me. You know, th- th- I can do this. I can, I can eat as much fish, meat, eggs, you know, I'm, eat as much protein as I want. Um, I just have to really, really limit my carbs and, and really, really limit my sugar. And my numbers keep coming down. So I did that. Um, and when I went back in two weeks, my numbers were not where they are today, which is non-diabetic, but they were good enough where my endocrinologist, who's a great doctor, said, you know what, I'm going to give you a three-month window. Let's try three months of doing what you're doing. And if at any point you start getting big spikes, we, we got we to gotta put you on insulin therapy. And I, I took that as fair enough. And well, anyway, that was almost three years ago. And uh, it's been almost three years. I've never had to take any medication, 
never had to use any insulin therapy. And I've constantly fine-tuned my keto diet. Um, and I still do it. I mean, to this day, to me, this is this will never be something that is, uh, you know, I'm done. I figured it out. I, I, I cracked the code. This is constantly fluid. I'm constantly improving uh, my numbers. I'm constantly improving the diet. I'm constantly improving everything about limitless AF. So, so yeah, um, you know, the, the journey was now my A1C levels are 5.8, which is non-diabetic. Um, I eat, I feel like I eat almost whatever I want in that I eat, um, you know, cheeseburgers, I, I eat, you know, chicken, fish, I eat a lot of eggs, um, omelets, you know, I make protein shakes. These are all things that I really enjoy eating. So I, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing the things that I had to give up that I used to eat, you know, pizza, pasta, beer, things like that. I, I honestly don't even miss them. Um, and one of the amazing things is that when I, when I started working in conscious breathing techniques and some mindfulness techniques, that actually started working with the diet to lower my blood sugar levels, my blood glucose levels even more. And I've actually been able to bring some healthy carbs and sugars back into my diet, meaning fruit. I didn't eat fruit for two and a half years. I didn't have one piece of fruit because it would spike my blood sugars. Well, now I just recently in the last month or two started incorporating strawberries back into my diet and I can eat strawberries now, have a couple at night and they don't spike my blood sugars. So that's what I mean by this is a fluid process, um, you know, where it just keeps getting better. Um, so that's a little bit of, you know, I don't want to, I could go on and on, but that's a little bit about me and how I got to where I am now. And I guess the only thing I'll add, and we can, you know, if you want to talk more about it, I'm happy to, but you know, I ended up building a company around this lifestyle because it's not just a diet. The keto, you know, keto is the way I eat, but then there's, you know, everything from the way I breathe to the way I exercise, to the way I sleep, to the way I recover, you know, hot, cold therapy, all of it together is part of the Limitless AF lifestyle. And um, I ended up building a company around that. I partnered with the India Institute of Technology, Madras, we have some incredible uh, tech that we got from IIT Madras, uh, tech that measures vascular health, vascular age, heart rate variability, things like that. And we, we combine the tech with the lifestyle and the behavioral health to create a movement, basically. Limitless AF is a movement about that we're able to redefine what's possible for us, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually. So there it is, Limitless AF in a nutshell. What a cool story, Adam. Thanks. I mean, what a cool story and so much to go through over a span of three years. Now, listeners, if you're trying to listen, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, man, what does this have to do with uh with the pain that I'm experiencing? Um, and there's a there's a whole bunch. So I, I encourage you to hang on and just listen a little bit more so then that way we can answer some of the key questions that probably pop up, especially when it comes to behavior change and also how you eat and the foods that you put in your body. And so, um, Adam, one question I do have to ask is like, um, I mean, most people understand that there's two types of diabetes, right? You have type one and type two. Um, one is the insulin dependent, and then we have the uh, type two, which is insulin resistant. So um, when you, uh, out of curiosity, when you got diagnosed or when you got presented this information, was it you, you are you are going to be, you are categorized as the insulin dependent or 
insulin resistant. What was that? What was that conversation like? Yeah, great question. And and it took me a while to actually even understand. Um, later on, after I was diagnosed, I've heard this, uh, what I have termed as uh, type one and a half, actually, but that's not what my doctor used. My doctor told me that um, what I have is I was diagnosed with latent adult onset diabetes uh, presenting as type one. And sometimes that's a, they use an acronym for that, uh, LADA, L-A-D-A, but it's latent adult onset diabetes. It can be, it can be presenting as type one or type two. Mine was presenting as type one, uh, meaning that, and the way I had it explained to me is that, um, my pancreas is compromised. It doesn't make enough insulin, which is why I, I have the condition I do, but it is definitely different from pure type one in that my pancreas still makes some insulin, which is why I'm able to treat it and manage it with just lifestyle modifications. If I had true di- type 1 diabetes where my pancreas made no insulin, then this would be out of my hands. I would have to be on insulin therapy and I wouldn't be able to manage it the, the way that I do. So it's, it was a, it's a great question, but it's not type 2. It is uh, presenting as type 1 or type one and a half, as it's sometimes called. We are going to take a quick break to tell you about our awesome new program called the Sciatica Protocol. If you don't have the time to see a professional, but are tired of trying to figure out this recovery on your own, then the Sciatica Protocol is for you. Harness the power of a knowledgeable physical therapist through your phone. It takes no more than seven minutes per day, and it is designed to help you recover as quickly as possible. It is simple to start, and all you need to do is log into ifixyoursciatica.com forward slash the dash sciatica dash protocol and fill out the nine question quiz to begin. The link for the program is in today's show notes. Wow. And so um, you brought up this concept of your pancreas is compromised. Um, if you look back in your, we'll just say over the past 10 years, um, because this was really revealed to you over the past three years. And so... Um, and if we look at say blood values, like A1Cs, it's not something that changes like immediately, right? And it takes a little bit of time for us to be able to experience some sort of change. Um, and so looking back, were there any sort of telltale signs where you're like, oh, something like is kind of off or something is different, which then right, it's like, oh, like, okay, it kind of makes sense that this this organ in my body wasn't operating the the best, if you don't mind me asking. No, yeah, I don't mind you asking at all. And it's a great question. Um, A lot of people are surprised when I say this, but the truth is, is that I never had a symptom before I was diagnosed. And I've never had a symptom since. Um, If I had, it's actually a really good thing that I was going for an annual physical because I would have never known that I had diabetes. I, I spent twice as much time in the gym before being diagnosed as I do now. Um, like I said, I thought that I was eating healthy. I felt like I had a lot of energy. So I really did not know or have any type of feeling or nothing felt off. Now, what I will say that's interesting is that even though I, ne- I didn't, even though I didn't consciously feel anything, it's interesting what happened though, when I changed the way that I eat, because that's when I noticed the big difference. So when I stopped eating sugar, like when I say stopped, I mean, I, I take in about five grams of sugar per day. Okay. Um, actually, now that I'm eating strawberries and maybe I take in 10 grams of sugar per day, but for, for two and a half years, I just took in five grams of sugar per day. And in doing that, 
what ended up happening was not immediately, but shortly thereafter, a few months, maybe um, a brain fog literally lifted. Like you said, like, like something just shifted and I realized, oh my gosh, I can see everything clearly now to the point where I was on ADHD medication for a few years, taking, taking it every day. And under my doctor's supervision, I stopped taking the ADHD medication and my brain, my mind is more clear and more focused now than it's ever been. So no, to answer your question, I never, nothing felt off, but once I made the switch, things started to feel on. Yeah, I, I realized, wow, I was, I was going through life kind of in a fog and now everything seems so clear. So pretty interesting. It's really interesting. It's really cool. It, it's kind of like, um, like in some cases, I remember when I transitioned and improved my eating, it wasn't necessarily like I felt bad, but when I transitioned and made myself like eat healthier, I noticed things were just like more vivid and improved. And um, listeners out there, um, even though this is, we're talking about the keto lifestyle, I don't follow keto lifestyle, but I highly respect it. And I think when implemented correctly can be, uh, can be widely um, beneficial. So I really respect uh, what Adam's doing and especially in the world of, of behavior management and, and diabetes. And so um, I, I do want to talk about um, this A1C, right? Let's say this blood sugar and how the body processes sugar as well. Um, you were saying that you were um, in a range where you were in this diabetic stage. It wasn't, it wasn't even just like a, you know, we'll say 2019 A1C is fine. 2020 A1C is, oh my gosh, you are experienced, like you, you are diabetic. So um, why is this number um, from, yeah, why is this number so important and why is it important for us to control uh, our blood sugar? Mm, that's a great question. So I'll preface my answer by saying I'm not a medical professional. I've been in healthcare for over 22 years now, um, but I'm not a medical professional. So I'm giving you a layman's understanding as it's been explained to me and you know, as I understand it. My understanding is that when your blood glucose levels spike. Um, I mean, when they're elevated at, for a steady time, that's certainly not good, but it's the spikes that are really dangerous as well. When they spike high, um, you, you become at risk for, uh, not only is, is that you know, a sign of diabetes, if, if you have elevated blood sugars and then they, they spike really high, What's dangerous is I think the complications that come from diabetes and from elevated blood sugars. My understanding is those, now I haven't experienced these complications myself, but my understanding is that these complications can include um, diabetic neuropathy, um, diabetic retinopathy. So, you know, problems with your eyes, with your feet, you hear about diabetics sometimes having to literally lose a foot, lose a limb. I, I know a couple people who have, and that's because of the, I believe the, the diabetic neuropathy that spreads to the feet, the legs, um, the eyes, you know, so these are complications of diabetes, not to mention, um, you know, there's, there's a strong link between diabetes and heart disease, um, as well. So, you know, there's, there's all kinds of complications, none of them good that come from diabetes and, and a lot of them lead to, uh, to an early, an early death, which is very unfortunate and, and unnecessary. For sure. I mean, yeah, a, a lot of those, um, complications are very much present when you're having both elevated levels, like chronically elevated levels, but then also those spikes as well. Um, folks, I'm going to go ahead and put a link to um, some of this information about diabetes out 
from the Mayo Clinic in the show notes. So that way you can kind of use it as reference. But I know that from my end, um, you, you brought up this concept of neuropathies, diabetic neuropathies, retinopathies. Um, in, in some cases, we're looking at this concept of uh, systemic inflammation. And I've talked about sy- like types of inflammation um, in the past. You have localized inflammation, which is a normal part of the process when you injure something. So if you scrape your knee or if you tweak your back, there's going to be inflammation uh, in that specific area that got injured. And that swelling and inflammation is going to cause pain and it can actually push on various different tissues. In some cases, that inflammation can actually push on the nerves, which actually results in irritation of possibly the nerves that form the sciatic nerve itself. But when we look at the concept of systemic inflammation, another area that we need to look into is that this concept of irritating the nerves. In in some cases, when you are having elevated levels of inflammation, your body actually becomes sensitive to everything. And so you might be sensitive to a little bit more of the nerve irritation, you might be a little bit more aware of that. It could be painful, it could be numb, it can be weak. And that is often what happens with people who have diabetes for years is that they start to lose in sensation, either it's painful or um, the, and I know especially found in the feet um, and the skin, it, it really affects that. And so it, it, it addresses the entire human body. Um, as compared to one specific joint. And um, it's really, it's really something. And I'm so glad that you were able to, to address that because it's a, it's a bummer when, when people have to transition medication, especially with what's happening now um, when it comes to just the pharmaceutical industry itself, there's a lot of challenges and changes that are going on um, with that. And so you transition to the ketogenic lifestyle, you implemented breathing, a lot of people probably have some misconceptions about what keto is. They're probably thinking, oh, keto, yeah, keto diet, like that means I can eat like Parmesan cheese all the time. Um, but I'm sure that, I, I mean, I love Parmesan cheese. It's one of my favorite cheeses to begin <laughs> with, but I'm um, having a, a varied diet. But tell us a little bit more about what the ketogenic lifestyle, what that truly means. Um, and I think you talked about it in regards to like how it already has helped, but let's talk a little bit more about what it is and that way people can have a little bit of a better idea of what it is. Sure, sure. I'd be happy to. And, um, you know, the uh, I'll tell you a story, actually, that will uh, maybe put it into context, too. So when I first heard about the keto diet, um, I actually spoke with someone who was a, an athlete, a, a ultra runner, marathon runner who um, had diabetes. And, and he was telling me, oh, this is great. You can literally eat what, you know, pretty much as much protein as you'd like. I was told, oh, you can eat whatever you want on the keto diet. You can eat as much protein as you want. So, you know, I eat, you know, I had one guy telling me I eat steaks for breakfast with eggs and everything else. And yeah, it made it sound really great. So, um, you know, because I mean, the way I had had it explained to me and read about it was, yeah, the keto diet is that you eat a lot of protein, you can eat a lot of healthy fats. In fact, healthy fats are helpful in the keto diet, right? And you're really just trying to avoid uh, two things for the most part. You're trying to avoid carbs for the most part, right? And you're trying to avoid sugar. And that's not just added sugar. You're trying to avoid sugar, period, okay? Um, what I would add into that is, you know, I also think it's always smart to avoid unhealthy fats. There's no, just because you're, you know, e- able to eat fats, I still think, I always try to focus on taking in the healthy fats, but trying not to take in the unhealthy fats. Um, so that's that was my understanding of keto. So when I first started, I was eating a lot of um, 
a lot of protein. I was eating a lot of red meat at the time, a lot of eggs. So I would make myself literally 10 eggs a day, full egg, right? Um, what happened during those first couple of months before my, my first appointment with the endocrinologist is my blood sugar dropped dramatically. I mean, my, my blood sugars were, were great. You know, they were, they were in a, in a total non-diabetic, uh, range and, um, not to, the other thing was my body fat percentage went from 15% down to 6%, literally. Actually, at the time, it was 7%. Now it's 6%. But went down to 7%. It got cut in less than half. You know, I had these incredible changes to, to my, my body. And, and um, you know, you don't expect to see that in your 50s. In your 50s, I wasn't expect. I, I never really had a six-pack before my 50s. Certainly didn't expect to have a six-pack abs, you know, in my 50s. But these were the types of changes that I saw when I, when I took this diet. Now, the funny part of the story, though, is when I went back for my three-month checkup to the endocrinologist, he, he said to me, I had all the blood work done. And he said, Adam, he said, I'm so happy with your blood sugar numbers. He said, I'm going to tell you that your cholesterol numbers have kind of gone through the roof, <laughs> he said, but I'm not worried about it because your cholesterol numbers were great before. And I think that if you tell me what you're eating. So I told him what I was eating. He said, all right, cut down on the red meat, do the red meat once a week. And he said, instead of doing the egg yolks, do maybe like one or two yolks a day and just do the rest egg whites. So that's exactly what I did. And I still do to this day. Like to this day, I eat a dozen egg whites a day, um, but just two yolks. Right. And my cholesterol levels immediately went back down. Actually, my cholesterol numbers are better than ever. Now my, uh, my HDL is over a hundred. My LDL is below a hundred. Um, so that's really, I think the key to keto for me, if I was, if I was going to impart one thing to your listeners about keto, it would be the diet itself is take in as much protein as you want. I take in about, I take in more than one gram of protein per pound of body fat. Uh, you know, so I'm probably taking in more closer to uh, one to one and a quarter to maybe even one and a half grams of protein per pound of body fat um, or per pound of weight. So you take in a lot of protein, you avoid the carbs and the sugar. The only really important piece that I would impart to your audience is don't get carried away with the cholesterol because that is counterproductive. I mean, if you if you're going to lower your blood sugar numbers, keep your cholesterol numbers in check as well. So yeah, hopefully that's helpful. That is super helpful. I think a lot of people like looked at this concept of the ketogenic di ketogenic diet and thought like, oh, I'm going to eat like butter by the spoonful. And like, I think one of the big uh, criticisms that keto got when it first got a little bit bigger, probably over the past five to six years was like, oh man, it's going to really hit your cholesterol. And so I love this approach where you're focusing a little bit more on having good quality proteins and having the good fats, but not necessarily really limiting your fat, but just keeping an eye on it. I think, um, and, and for, for the listeners out there, the, the ketogenic diet was actually built specifically like from like, I don't know, maybe like 20, 25 years ago to actually treat, um, kids with epilepsy because, uh, and what the ketogenic diet is, is that you're metabolizing a lot of fat um, for energy and the byproduct of fat metabolism is the production of ketones and the ketones themselves actually affected the brain activity, which actually minimized the firing that happened during, um, during an epileptic, epileptic episode or seizure. And so, um, 
I'm really glad to hear that because that was another question. I was just like thinking, okay, well, what are these cholesterol levels? Because a lot of people were thinking, all right, ketogenic diet, I'm going to eat pepperoni and cheese all the time. And um, I know for myself, I can only eat like maybe a couple pieces of pepperoni before I say, okay, I've had enough. And so I'm really glad that you brought up this concept of looking at the cholesterol. And one thing I also found to be really interesting with cholesterol, um, just an observation, is that when you had like a very fast, rapid weight loss, you experience a slightly increase in LDL, I think, as a byproduct just for a very short period of time. And so it was just really interesting that you brought that up, too, because I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what I was expecting um, with that. And so, man, what a what a cool journey and like a cool breakdown. I think one of the big things is that, I mean, we're, we're kind of heading out of the, fir- the first couple months of the new year. People are kind of like finishing out their diets and they're like, OK, I'm going to go back to eating my old ways. You've been doing this for three years and you're probably going to do this for the rest of your life. So you changed it from a diet to just like, I'm going to eat a certain way to actually incorporating it into your lifestyle. So my question for you is, as you were incorporating this into your lifestyle, how long did it take for you? Because I wouldn't be surprised that there probably had to be some sort of willpower, some point where you had to consciously think about it and say, I'm going to make these changes every single day, no matter how tired you are, no matter how stressed you were, you're like, I'm going to stick with this program. How long did you think it took you to like implement this for it eventually to transition to a behavior where you did it, where you do it by second nature? Yeah, that, that's a great question. There's so much, there is a lot of discipline and willpower involved. Um, I can tell you that a lot of people who see me now and, and know me uh, now assume that I was like you know, just born with uh, this great willpower discipline. And the truth is that I wasn't. Um, I used to be one of the most undisciplined people you'd ever meet. That That's true. I was very undisciplined in a lot of ways. Um, when I was diagnosed with diabetes, it, one of the things that woke me up was I knew that if I was going to, to your point, I knew that if I was going to live this lifestyle, for example, I have two teenage daughters you know, when it's somebody's birthday and there's cake and cupcakes all over the place. And I grew up my whole life until I was diagnosed with a serious sweet tooth. And that's my weakness is like the cake and the cupcakes and everything. I just, I just lose, I don't even eat consciously. You know, I, I could just eat, I could finish the cake if, if I'm not paying attention, you know, that type of, uh, where you just lose yourself uh, a bit. So, when I was diagnosed and when I realized that, you know, w- once the high wore off the high, when I say the high, it was the high was discovering, oh, wow, this keto diet really works. It actually lowers my blood sugar. Once that high wore off, then it was, how am I going to stick with this for the rest of my life? And what I realized was I needed to become a student of routine creation, habit formation. These are sciences. This is behavioral science. So there's a, there's a couple of great resources. There's a that I would recommend to your to your listeners. There's a professor at Stanford University named B.J. Fogg. He wrote a book called Tiny Habits. It's all about the science of habit formation. And then there's a more recent New York Times bestseller called Atomic Habits by James Clear, another great book. What they're basically both talking about is how do we develop the discipline and the willpower, because it does need to be developed and trained. How do we develop the discipline and the willpower to actually replace our unhealthy habits with healthy habits and 
That's step one. Step one is overcoming inertia, I like to say. Step one is most people, a lot of people can't even overcome inertia. They can't even just get out of the pattern they're already in and start something new. But assuming that you can do that, then step two is how do I stick with that when life gets in the way? That's the biggest, trickiest part, right? You've started this diet. You've lost 10 pounds. You're doing everything's going great. You're in the gym. And then a few months or a year later, one of a number of things happens, but they're all major life events. Either you lose your job, you lose your spouse or your, or your significant other, you know, they leave you or you, uh, a loved one dies. There's you know, these types of major life events that usually cause people to kind of go off the rails a little bit, feel like they need some comfort food, some comfort activities, and they just want to just, just lose themselves for a minute in, in these comfort activities. The problem with that is 99% of people will never get back on track with their program. And it's kind of a vicious cycle where then they almost kind of feel embarrassed uh, because they were in such great shape. They had done so well and then they went off the tracks and they don't want to revisit that. It's, it's, it's very psychological, right? And so, so I studied that. And in studying these, uh, these, these books and these experts, I built my willpower. I built my discipline. And once you build it, it becomes a way of life. So to answer your question, I would say, I would say that I would still have, you know, cravings. If I saw the cupcakes and the cakes around for somebody's birthday, sometimes I even would slip up and I would, you know, have, have like a half a cupcake and my blood sugar would go spiking. And then I would feel guilty about it. I would say it took me probably six to nine months for that to just really go away and, and, and get to a point where now I don't even want to eat that. I mean, I don't want to eat that cupcake. You know, it's a, I know, I know what's waiting on the other side of that cupcake, you know, even though it tastes good, I know what's waiting on the other side. And, and that's the brain fog that I used to walk around in. And that's, you know, say goodbye to the, uh, you know, the, the, the body that I've built that I enjoy that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of, and you can't have both, you know what I mean? So you have to make your choices. And, and, um, I think that that's a big piece of limitless AF. I think it's a big piece of, for any of your listeners that are trying to make a, a significant change, I would highly recommend focusing on building the discipline and the willpower. That's the foundation. Forget about what the tactics are, what the, the diet is, what the workout is. Focus on building the willpower and the discipline first, and then you'll be able to pretty much do anything. Willpower and discipline are kind of like muscles, right? Like you need to train them for them to be really, really strong. And so um, I appreciate it. I mean, so when I work with my clients, a lot of the times, like when we're talking about pain management, like they're in these sessions and they are leaving the sessions feeling awesome. But then the big question is, okay, here in this specific instance, you're feeling fantastic. How are you going to be able to maintain this type of progress when you leave this session? And I don't see you for another seven to 10 days. And so the way that I look at it, when it comes to implementing behavior change, I also think that it's um, kind of like what you're talking about. It's like we have willpower and discipline, but I also think like the results will really speak for themselves. And I think a lot of times people try to look for results on an outwardly basis. So they're like, okay, what, what happens? What do I see in the mirror? Or, um, you know, can I, like, what do I see? What is this information telling me? 
Um, one thing that you brought up that I thought was really uh, interesting was this concept where when you knew that you slipped up, the brain fog started to f- come back in. And so it's this concept of you're, you were also using like what you were feeling um, as a way to drive. It's like the results will actually drive further, further improvement. And so um, listeners out there, when it comes to implementing, just like Adam has been talking about, when it comes to implementing a new thing, whether it be eating um, a, a new way or moving a specific way on my part, when I'm telling you, okay, when you're doing, when you're sitting down, I, I, I want you or I challenge you to actually lean forward a little bit. You're going to have to really think about it for, for quite some time before it becomes second nature. And that's going to be very, very common with any new skill. But just like Adam saw about like willpower and discipline, you got to build that. But then also number two, let the results guide how you feel. And I know for me, I actually transitioned to eating a lot of, uh, transition out of eating a lot of junk food, um, because it was really based on how I felt. Um, I, instead of drinking, uh, three to four glasses of wine, um, when, when I was out socially, um, I maybe drink a glass or a glass and a half, like really understanding, like, I know what the consequences are of my actions the next day. And that will actually drive what I should be doing. So, um, and I love the fact that Adam, you said it took about six to nine months. You have to be able to consciously practice this. So then that way it becomes not just a, a habit. A habit is something that you kind of do second nature, but we have to transition that habit into a behavior because when you do it as a behavior, no matter what happens, no matter how stressed you are, no matter how tired, no matter how, how much help or how, how much you're willing to slip up, um, that behavior is what you're going to be falling back on. And that is something that not only from a lifestyle standpoint that we need to implement, but also from a movement standpoint as well. So I really appreciate you sharing that, um, Adam, uh, with the audience, because I think it's really important. So let's talk about, let's talk about action, right? We want folks to be leaving this with some sort of action. And so if they're like, okay, I think I want to experiment with some sort of keto, like lower my carbohydrates. What are some, what are three action steps that you have um, that could, that that someone could take to, to make it a little bit easier or actionable for them to transition and try this lifestyle out and see if it works for them? Sure. Great question. So I think it's, it's really great to have a transition to not have to be you know, go completely cold turkey like like I did. Um, and I would say for someone who wants to transition and experiment with lowering their carbs without, you know, going to an extreme level, one thing would be, um, let's say you like uh, burgers or, or chicken, any type of sandwich, chicken sandwich. It could be an Italian hoagie, you know, whatever it is. Try doing that without the bread. Order it. You don't have to make a big deal. You know, some people are like, oh, I don't want to order without the bread and make a uh, attract attention to myself. That's fine. You know, just order it, order it normal. You know, I'll go out oftentimes and I'll order a double bacon cheeseburger. Okay. When it comes, just get rid of the the bread, get rid of the bun and just eat the bacon double cheeseburger part. That right there is eliminating almost all of the carbs, pretty much all of the carbs in that meal. Okay. The other thing is um, getting rid of fries. I mean, uh, I would, you know, so again, if you were going to do a bacon, so for example, instead of doing a bacon double cheeseburger with a side of French fries and eating that with the bun, try getting the bacon double cheeseburger, get it with either a, uh, you can get it with a side salad, 
Caesar salads are good because Caesar salads don't have any any carbohydrates as long as you don't eat the, uh, the croutons. You know, there's all kinds of different things you can do. A bowl of edamame, you know, there different things that we can do. Um, but bottom line is don't eat the bread, don't eat the fries, okay? When it comes, and then when it comes to fruit, what I would say is you don't have to cut out all fruit the way that I did, but you can find out which fruit, um, are lower in sugar and which fruit are higher in sugar. So uh, right off the bat, I would tell you that if you were going to just eat, if you wanted to still eat some fruit, but lower sugar fruit, you would eat strawberries and blueberries. Strawberries and blueberries are going to be pretty much your best bet. Um, the fruit that you'd want to avoid if you wanted to try lowering your sugar and your carbs a bit would be bananas and mangoes, for example. Bananas and mangoes are both in, uh, I believe, pineapple. You know, bananas and mangoes, very, very high in sugar. So, you know, those are just a couple of things. And then, and, oh, and then the last piece is since, you know, the, we are a society that loves that loves to have drinks, you know, out socially and everything. Big, big change. If you want to see a big change in your um, health through keto, what I would do is eliminate beer and wine. I know that's hard, but if you eliminate beer and wine, you can still have vodka, you can still have uh, pretty much almost any at liquor, like vodka, not liquor. Um, you can have vodka, you can have whiskey. So like I, I, I'll drink vodka, bourbon, or tequila. And I can mix that with like an unflavored seltzer that has no, um, that has no uh, um, carbs in it or sugar. Or I can just drink it on the rocks. You know? But these are a couple of things that you can do that can really um, – lower the the carbs and the sugar intake by a lot it, it would be noticeable you'll notice the way it feels for sure yeah so there you have it being able to easily implement making small changes i mean you can absolutely do an extreme change but you have to stick with it and just like any sort of muscle or exercise you got to build up your discipline and courage sure. uh discipline um what do we say discipline and what was the other word willpower willpower, willpower. Yeah, it's a slip in my mind. Um, discipline and willpower, and that way you can stick through it. And then about, I mean, six to nine months seem like a long time, but you know, you're looking at six to nine months to be able to then eventually get to a lifetime of of a habit and behavior where you can do it by second nature. And so, um, for for you listeners out there in California, um, you can actually get a bun free burger over at In and Out. You just call it a Flying Dutchman. Um, and it's, uh, it's great. And what's really cool is out back East, there was a place called bear burger, um, which I really enjoyed. And you can also get a burger actually wrapped in a collar wrap, um, which I always thought was really, really cool. Um, and I really enjoyed. And so, um, Adam, thank you so much for your time. This all has been really helpful. You have a lot of really great knowledge and I mean, it's not just the diet itself, it's a lifestyle change. And so tell us a little bit more about limitless AF and how you can help people and how people can get in touch with you. Sure. Be happy to. So before I do real quick, I just wanted to mention you brought up inflammation before, and this might be of interest to your listeners. Um, you know, for I, for 10 years, I suffered from eczema, which is a form of inflammation, um, the skin condition. And I would get these flare ups uh, on my forehead here. And it was, it doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but it's, you know, it, it would really bother me. Like when I would go out in public and um, I, I have a, you know, I have an ego like everybody else. And, and I hated the thought of that, that I, so I used to have to use this uh, medication called Eladel 
for 10 years. And I, I, I was like, am I going to have to use this for the rest of my life? And no, and no dermatologist could, could, they were baffled. They, no, nobody could tell me why this wasn't getting better. When I stopped eating sugar, literally within a couple of months, it just went away and it's never come back since. So there's so many benefits when, and inflammation is part of that. And I think that might tie in even to some benefits you could see with sciatica as well. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. Uh, the other thing, just real quick, is that you brought up a great point. There's a difference between, I like to say, between change and transformation, right? A, going on a diet or starting a new workout program, that's making a change. And that's great. And it may help you lose 20 pounds and may help you feel a lot better. But up until a certain point, it's still just a change. What we do at Limitless AF is we deal in transformations. The difference between change and transformation is, like I said before, when something, when life gets in the way and something dramatic happens, oftentimes change is not strong enough and it doesn't keep you in that, in that, uh, you know, that, that, that pattern, that, that good pattern you want to be in. A transformation, once you make a transformation, you've made a transformation. It's, it becomes like brushing your teeth. No matter what happens in your life, you're not leaving your house without brushing your teeth. That's how it is with the Limitless AF lifestyle. We, when, once you've made a transformation. Um, so anyway, so basically where we're at right now is we're an early stage health tech company. And our, well, we, we have a vision. And the vision for Limitless AF is to, to create a more sustainable world where humans can live, you know, longer, healthier, more fulfilling lives. Um, we have a specific mission, and that is, and it's built around my backstory, and our mission is to help prevent and reduce the disproportionately high rates of diabetes and obesity in underserved communities. And that's because that's what, those are the people that need the help the most. In the underserved communities, the Black community, the Latino community, this is where the rates of diabetes and obesity are by far the highest. And a lot of the folks in those communities don't have access to, to the, the education and the programs that would help them. So we're focused on that. Um, we're getting ready to announce our leadership team, which is incredible, um, getting ready to announce a new CEO, a new COO. Uh, these are industry veterans that are going to really help uh, scale Limitless AF and bring us you know, um, globally. And, and um, what that will mean for your listeners and to anybody who's watching this is we're going to be doing Limitless AF workshops in underserved communities all over the country and then all over the world. Um, if you'd have interest in that, if you'd like to have a, a Limitless AF workshop where you learn more about the lifestyle um, and you'd like to see that done in your place of business or school or community center or wherever that may be, um, you can contact me. It's pretty easy. It's adam at limitlessaf.tech. Again, adam at limitlessaf.tech. And um, we're, we'd be happy to you know explore that with you. So that's what we're doing right now. Love what you're doing, Ashley. I'm so glad that you're educating people out there and um, would love to, you know, continue exploring any synergies and help you in any way that we can. I love that. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. I'm really excited for uh, the future, uh, uh, your, the future of what you're going to be bringing to, to these folks. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. And I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient-therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. 
We are not providing medical advice and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider.